Hello, it's Alice Arnold here. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. We have a great guest for you this week. Uh, he just came into the into the bar where I was interviewing him like a like a whirlwind. Anyway, his name is Roy Haylock, also known as the drag artist Bianca Del Rio, and he is performing in Everybody's Talking About Jane. Here we are in the, where are we, in the Dress Circle Bar? Yes. The Dress Circle Bar of the Apollo Theatre, where everybody's talking about Jamie, is playing. Uh, we've been here before, actually. This is familiar podcast territory for us. We've been in this bar, and I have to say, the bar is not open. Sadly. Uh, it's, very, it's very, very shut, and we are the only people in it. Well, yes, uh, yes myself and Roy Haylock, who is playing, well, also, Roy Haylock and Bianca Del Riosa. Don't yes. Both names. Yes, that's my that's my later identity. But you are Roy. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. And you're taking over. Well, you have taken over. Yes. As Loco Chanel. Yes, in last night. Talking about Jamie. Was it last night? It was your first night. Last night was my first night with an audience. It is it is oh. surreal. I must tell you, the people here on the West End are beyond lovely. So it it was a it was a wild night. I must say, great time though. Good. One question answered. Tick. Oh, tick. Oh, good. <laughs> how, how, how are the people in the West End? No, they're <laughs> lovely. I often say, um, you know, aside from doing this theatrical production which is something new for me in years I used to do theater when I was much younger but uh, to come back to it is amazing but I usually do my solo stand-up shows and it just seems like people over here get my sense of humor a lot more than our political climate in America so here people actually like a drink and a good time so I have to say I am quite fond of everyone here so have you done your stand-up shows in yes. England too yes yeah this is um, that's your, that was your main thing yes. before Taking over in Correct. Uh, yeah, so I'm starting up my fourth tour. I've already started in Asia and Australia, but um, I start in the UK and uh, in Ireland and England. I mean, and, and <laughs> look at UK, Ireland, <laughs> Europe, and America uh, right after this. I literally finish the show June 29th and then I have five days off and then I come back here to do Wembley. I'm doing Wembley Arena. Are you? Yeah, it's wild. Oh, yeah. That's so, be, oh, that would be fantastic. I'm ready for it. Yeah, yes. I always have to tell people Wembley Arena because people often assume it's Wembley Stadium. That's a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I do it's clarify. It's still big. Though. It is. It's it is. Still, it's, you know, it is. it's not a sitting room, is it? No, not at all. It's not the gold bar. No. But, and, and you won RuPaul's Drag Race, which, yes. was, which was a huge thing. Now, my producer, Sarah, who's sitting here, said that she watched it. And from the very first episode, she just went, well, he's going to win. <laughs> from the, you know, and it's there funny. was no contest. It's funny that a lot of people say that. But I think what's interesting for me is... Um, you know, we film it. You have no idea what's what's going on as far as everyone else's story is concerned. But when it's aired, which is many months later, um, it's their narrative that they're telling, you know? So I guess it does seem a little maybe more obvious for editing purposes. Yes. But when you're there, you have no idea what's going on. You're just happy to just survive each day because the challenges and, uh, you know, it's like the challenges are there, but also the television show is a huge part of it. So you're kind of in a blur. They don't give you information or input of what's happening. It's like, go. So you're just looking to make it. But then you know the result, and then they and you have to keep no, about that. No, oh, this you is don't the tricky the part. Road. We film up to a certain point, uh, and when we get to a certain point, uh, they eliminate all of us. They, they they film all of us being eliminated. Then we come back for a live viewing party, and then even there, they crown several winners. And then the night it airs is the night you find out. No. Yes. Yes. So yes, they yes. crown you as a winner. Yeah. But you might not have won. You might so not you've win. So you got to pretend. Well, I, all you the know, tears of people joy. often say pretend, but then I, I said to myself, if I win, this is my ten minutes of what it felt like. <laughs> so you live yeah, in the no, moment. But it's not the same, is it? No, you don't it, actually know. If well, it's the glory of having a wedding, and you don't have to be married to anyone. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, in this, in Everybody's Talking About Jamie, yes. you play Loco Chanel, mm-hmm. who, is, well, you have two parts, mm-hmm. but one of them is Loco Chanel, Correct. who is a drag artist. Yes. Is that the same drag artist as Bianca Del Rio? I think there's lots of similarities, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I was asked to do it. Um, and I come from a time, I mean, being... 43 years old, I grew up with these types of drag queens. You know, drag is very different now uh, than it was 20 years ago when I started. So um, I can relate really well with it. And what's great, too, as an actor is that I get to play the other part. I get to play Hugo, which is kind of this humdrum guy who had drag in his heyday. And through Jamie, he brings it back to life. So it kind of wakes him up. Uh, So I've had these moments in my life, and I could definitely relate to it. But um, there are... Parts of Bianca. Obviously, the look is very is Bianca, but um, it's uh, it's just a great opportunity to get to play this, you know. And and it's what our world was like pre-internet, <laughs> which was completely different mm-hmm. uh, than now. Uh, there was no Instagram, no selfies. It was just old school drag. You had to go to a bar to see drag performers. And I mean, you say that it's changed. How how do you think it's changed in the last twenty years? Well, I mean, we live in this digital age where you know people are famous for for putting on makeup. People are famous for taking a great photo. People are famous for having no talent. <laughs> it's different than mm-hmm. what it was you know years ago. You had to, ha- especially a drag queen, you had to have an act. You either sang, you either danced, you either was a lip sync performer, or you were an impersonator of a certain celebrity. That was what the old school was, and and you'd have to go to theaters and bars to witness it. And now, kind of drag is everywhere. I mean. It's good and bad, uh, but it's like drag queens are falling out of the trees now. Everywhere you go, <laughs> somebody wants to be a drag or a beauty influencer or an actress model slash. It's like, okay, great, whatever. Yeah. But that's the world we live in now. It's just, so it's, it's a little different than what it was when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God I haven't gotten wrapped up in it, you know? And this part. In the, you know, in I'm glad the, I started when the, I started. Yeah, okay. Yes. But, um, well, you're a comedian. Yes. I mean, you have, you know, your act is is everything you're, you, you know it's a strong it's not it's what not I have from, yes yes yeah, well, it's not about looks no, or beauty no, <laughs> no. and I'm not very ladylike and the, the story of Jamie yes and back to the show yes of course doing now yeah and uh, I saw it some time ago but it had already become kind of a cult thing yes. I think and the really young audience were watching it and absolutely supporting the story yes which I just thought it was really uplifting. I mean, it's a very uplifting show anyway. Very but much. I, but more uplifting because of the way the audience react. They know what they're coming to see now. Yes. And they come because they want to see that. And they want to cheer on Jamie. Yeah, and it's kudos to the writers. I mean, it's a very well-written show. And what I try to explain to people is, despite the fact that I'm playing a drag queen, the show really is not about drag. It's basically about someone who wants to be a drag queen, but also what he goes through in his life, with relationships and, 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 and hate and anger and, and bigotry. That's what it's really about. So it's not about, oh, I want to be a drag queen, my life is all fixed. It is a beautifully told story. And, and one of the things I say about the mom in the show, I mean, obviously she has that one number that kills you Um, and as I said as a gay man watching the show what really drew me to it was here is this woman singing the song and as a gay man you either go oh my god that's my mother and I don't appreciate her enough or you're that gay boy going I wish that was my mother mother. so you're moved no matter who you are you know and and it's really a beautifully told story so what I love about it is there's camp and there's fun but truly the underlying message is acceptance and basically yeah. following your dreams. And his little dream is to be a drag queen. I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Did you see, the, have you seen the documentary? I have, it was what? on the other night. I have I not seen the documentary. I hadn't seen it before. And then suddenly there it was. And there was the... And what's amazing which is, is that... Which is what it's based on originally, yes. which is a true story. Yeah. And, and now they're making a movie, which is did, pretty amazing. And you, do you, you 
your story yes relates to Jamie um, in some I, ways or not? yes and no I think did I think you I, have that mother uh, not necessarily that overly supportive um, I think I had my moments because uh, I'm the fourth out of five kids so I think they had three normal children then I came along <laughs> right and I say you know normal meaning I was showbiz <laughs> so yeah. that that was scary um, but um I think I definitely can relate more to the Hugo Loco character as far as, you know, I got out of where I was from, which was New Orleans, and then I went and, you know, was acting and then became a drag queen and dealt with theater and costumes and stuff. And so things have kind of evolved in that path for me. But it wasn't a dream. I never sat back and said, I want to be a drag queen. I didn't know early on. No. It just kind of, they said, you want to be a drag? Sure. You want to be a monkey? Sure. I said yes to everything. But (laughs) you love all the costume thing, don't you? I mean, design and everything is really... That's my first love. Yeah. Yes, that's that's definitely my passion. And then drag kind of fell into a part of all of it, which has been surreal. So now it's kind of like the best of both worlds, you know? Because it's a big part of drag. Completely, yeah. Because I always think... The hours that you must yeah. spend. How long does it take you to get ready for your for your own? Well, for myself, act? I can get ready in an hour. That's usually out of the shower, shaving your face, and and ready to go. Uh, but you know, I, I, in this show, I get ready in 19 minutes because I start the show as a boy and a uh, boy, yeah. a man, yeah. and then I have literally 19 minutes off stage to get in full drag and then return. So it's pretty quick. Four, nine minutes on the stage. (laughs) So all of that, it it takes me longer. You've been there with a stopwatch, haven't you? Yeah, it takes me longer to get ready than I spend on stage and drag. Yeah. So going back to Louisiana and New Orleans, around about that area. Yeah, I I went there once when I was was, was very young and I didn't have any money to buy a drink. And I'd love to go back now and be able to afford like I I love (laughs) the fact I need money for a drink. That is New Orleans. (laughs) That is... It's but, an amazing and place. And I saw those lovely looking restaurants and yes. everything. And then Hurricane Katrina happened. Yes. And were you there then? I was there. Or? I was there that year. Um, and I luckily didn't have any damage to my home or anything. It was just a moment where the entertainment was not the top priority. So it was an out for me. It was an opportunity for me to get out. Obviously, I was working in theater and working with the opera and, and doing dragon stuff. And businesses just went. You know, not many people were out in the bars celebrating. There's not much to celebrate when there's not much to the city. So for me, it was, uh, I was 30, and I said, well, you know, I, this is the perfect chance to go do something else. And so I packed up and went back to New York uh, from 30, and uh, I was there until about five years ago. Now I'm in Los Angeles. So it was one of those moments where it's always been home, and I always go back and visit, and I love it dearly. But uh, my life has kind of taken turns to be in, in to be in New York and Los Angeles and here, which has been a while. So um, I do go back often now. And it's the you best do. place for food and drinks and music. And uh, has it recovered? Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, yes. It's, oh, my God. City. Tremendously. Yeah. I mean, a lot's happened. And luckily, well, I guess not luckily because any damage is bad. But, but the French Quarter itself and the, the tourism area was not badly damaged. So luckily, mm. none of that has affected business and people mm. coming back in. And you talked about the West End audiences being brilliant yeah. and then audiences generally being brilliant. But is drag different in America than here? Is there a oh. cultural difference? Oh, yes, definitely. And I think what I enjoy most about West End, uh, you know, being over here and witnessing drag is that they are more old school here. They do have an act. A majority of the queens here don't lip sync. They do sing live in the clubs, which is great. So, I mean, I appreciate that. That's just my own personal taste. Uh, America, it's, it's also by region in America. You know, in the South, we have a lot of drag pageants, which are a big thing. Um, so it's a lot more modeling and, and swimwear and evening gowns <laughs> and talent numbers. Uh, in, the, in New York, there are a lot of singing Have dancers. you done a pageant? Uh, oh, I've never done a pageant. Oh. oh, God. Can you imagine if I lost? Oh, I would be miserable. 
I was to tell people, I said, I only did the pageant that matters, Drag Race. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a pageant gal. But it definitely depends on where you are. But I think in America, drag is just, it just seems as though it's overpopulated and oversaturated. Uh, whereas here, it's little pockets of drag, you know, which is great. Now, with your comedy, yes. um, I think you're quite sharp. <laughs> Do you think... <laughs> Depends on who you ask. I use that word. Do you think being in drag lets you get away with more? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think, um, well, I also, the, the type of comedy that I've been doing, I've been doing for years and doing it in my own world. And I think once, you've, once I've done, obviously, RuPaul's Drag Race and this television show, television's a very powerful thing and it put it out into the universe. And so we also live in a world where <laughs> a lot of people will say, you can't say that. And that's always my biggest thing is that I go, I can say whatever I want. You don't have to like it and you can move on. But I think we live in a world where they call it the canceling culture where they love to say, this is what we're against. This is what it's about. And it's like, look, there's lots of people I don't like. There's lots of people's drag I don't like. Lots of movie stars I don't like. I don't watch their movies. I don't go see their shows. I don't bother with the magazines. So you're entitled to have that opinion just as I am. And I think we've lost that in this world. But drag also gives you the fanfare, you know, and it's more of the, the visual of it all. You know, I would say if I didn't wear a wig, I'd be called a hateful homosexual. But if I wear the wig, they call me hysterical. <laughs> so it's just the packaging, I think, to get away with yeah. murder. But it's I'm, more to do with them than it is to do with me. I'm just as nasty out of it. <laughs> I'm just no, you, the same. You talked about, you've talked about that. I read in an interview that was sort of the bitchiness that goes on around. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I use that word. Oh, God. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think. Oh. Um, but it's kind of a thing. Isn't it? It's yes. like a game. I mean, well, you're totally. I mean, I don't. I, mean, it's a I don't believe any of that. But it, it's definitely it's a show. It, it's you know, it, it's like the, a day Medna type of situation. You know, where it's a character. And, and what's fascinating is, is, you know, most people don't realize that. Barry Humphreys, who is Damon, is a straight married man, and uh, this yes. was just one of his characters. So I think um, I think it just it's easier for people to accept. <laughs> I, I think you know they kind of know what they're getting into, yeah. and it does add some theatricality to it. You know, because you really can be a total bitch if you have eyelashes on. Right. It really adds to it. <laughs> so what would your material be at Wembley then? Oh my God! Well, I talk what, about what, everything. What issues do you cover? Well, my show is called It's Just a Joke. Get it? Just a joke. Uh, I um, because everybody's so serious now. So I discuss, you know, obviously a small amount of politics. I mean, you know, in America we have Trump, and here you've got <laughs> Brexit. So there's always something to talk about. So political stuff. Also talking about social media and the impact of social media and how people's lives revolve around this social media, which is insane to me because mm -hmm. that's when I realize I'm old. That's when I I go. You're not old. Well, you know what I mean. It's like you go. What are we talking about? You know, why does it matter um, so much to people? So I do discuss that, and also my life as an erotic clown. <laughs> That's what I always call myself, <laughs> because I'm not a soft feminine creature. <laughs> well, if I am, emphasis on the word creature. But I, uh, I do discuss my life and how people treat me in situations that I've been in, which is insane. And how do they? Well, people are nuts. People are really, really crazy. Like, I also have a, a whole section where I discuss my, the comments that I get or the, the direct messages I get, which are... Well, Twitter. Insane. Yes. The amount of things that people ask. It's, it's nuts. Now, do you think the Trump thing <clears throat> has cha is changing people's attitudes in America? Or do you, do you think it's making people like maybe the Brexit thing has been accused of here, of, of giving people what maybe license to be more homophobic oh, and racist yes. and... 
Yeah, I, I, I've, I haven't watched the news lately because I've been here, which has been good. Um, I guess it's never not good to not know what's going on in the world, but it's just so insane in America right now. And I think all of the, what, what's been interesting is the reports that you see that hate crimes are up insanely. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's definitely riled people up. I don't think, I mean, there's good and bad with it. Obviously, I didn't vote for him. I'm not interested in him. But I, I, I do see why people did vote for him because now it's kind of like this open this open discussion to be racist, you know, and people mm-hmm. feel that it's okay. And I mean, I, I, I often tell people when people say to me, well, the gay community and this and then I go, well, first of all, I'm not a community. I'm a person. I, I, yes, I'm gay, but I pay taxes. I'm a person. <laughs> and I'm blown away when they go, oh, community. No, I'm, I'm a human being who pays taxes and lives my life. Everyone should have the same rights. I mean, I do believe that. And why do you care so much? Like, you know, if you're not gay, what the hell do you care if gay people? Let them be as miserable as straight people. Yeah. Go get married. <laughs> um, but I, I, I am fascinated how it works. So I definitely think it's inflamed people and it's really upsetting and I can mm-hmm. only hope that you know it, it doesn't continue for another four years because we have an election coming up but it's almost like everybody's their own worst enemy you know it's like these groups in, of, of, of hate and, and this endless amount of nothing being resolved is really kind of frustrating so mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad to be away from it for a bit yeah. and it's so depressing it really really is and I don't know I go is it has it been this bad before and just now with the media coverage it's just so mm-hmm. saturated is that it I don't know I don't know. I can't. I don't know. Do we have to access to all of this information a little too much? I don't know. But then you see the other side of that is that you're in a show every night. Yes. Only started thankfully. last night, where young people oh. will be celebrating diversity, difference, right. and in a really, really positive way. There's so hope there for the is children. The, yeah, there's yes. hope for the children. No, well, I hope so. Well, well, we could, it can't get any worse. I mean, look yeah. at where we are, you know. And, and even in, in, I mean, being 43, in my little journey is to see how quickly the world has changed. And I try to remind um, a lot of any young kids that I come across when they ask advice and they say, you know, how do you get into this business or what do you feel about drag and what do you feel? I'm like, look, there's people that lost lives and struggled for us to have these opportunities. Open a book, you know. We live in a world <clears throat> where you can go and Google anything. Go read a book. Find out about your history. This year is the 50th anniversary of Stonewall in New York. And it's amazing how many people have no idea what that's about. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, it's interesting. I had f- older friends of mine that would discuss back in the day, if you dressed in drag, you were arrested, thrown in a mm-hmm. paddy wagon. You know? And in New Orleans, there was gay bars that if there were gay men dancing, they had to have one female on the dance floor. If not, the bar would get shut down. So insane to think about it was not that long I ago i know so it was in our light well certainly in my lifetime it blows my mind and yeah. it's like you should be a, the fact that it's on television the fact that it's celebrated in this way you are some lucky son of a bitches i mean yeah. and i think you know sending to, pe- to people that they should learn about the history of it completely it's really important to you should appreciate want to because know. you take it for granted i think a lot of very people much. take it very much for granted now. yeah and you go actually you know well, you entitled. 30 years younger life different was very, world life was very different it different. was very secretive it was very yeah. you know um on the other hand there were there were moments where that felt kind of special because it was oh yeah when well, if you survived sort of that fun, if you, you know, survived that wow i yeah. mean and I, and I love the stories, you know, and that's one of the things I loved about living in New Orleans is that the, the gay culture there, they had, during Mardi Gras, they would have uh, Mardi Gras balls, and it was one of the few times that a 
gay men would be able to get together and dress in drag, and it was a huge drag show presentation that's still alive today. And it's amazing. Some of these people are 80 years old still in their drag and their heels and feeling their fantasy. And I go, well, that's what it should be. You should be able to do whatever you want with your life. I mean, who the hell is going to tell you you can't? You know? And you can't get wrapped up in other people's opinions because that's the worst. You just really, really can't. So you've got a limited season. Yes. Yes, I'm here till June 29th. June the 29th. That's not very long. No, I have eight weeks. That was all I could squeeze in, and I was so grateful that they said, yes, it could work out. Um, And then you... Do Wembley Yes, and then, then I go on the road. So I'll be going to South Africa. I'll okay. be going to... Everywhere. Everywhere. The, uh, yeah, I do Wembley here, but then there's also Manchester, there's Cardiff, there's... Uh, uh, then I head over to Ireland, and uh, I do Dublin, and uh, it's endless. And then 49 states in America. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you'll get 49 states? Yeah. Which uh, 49 cities, 49 cities, not oh, 49 states. 49. 49 states, which you one are you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> which one? The one. Uh, no, Florida. Uh, no, I am doing Florida. Uh, <laughs> Hawaii? Are you doing Hawaii? No, I, no, I haven't done Hawaii. I have not done Hawaii. Yeah, but I think you'd be great. In Hawaii. I would love Hawaii. I haven't been. Nice. I would love to go, but That's I don't vacation nice. much. You've no, been? You don't. Did you have yeah. a drink there? You had money I, to go to Hawaii? Yeah, because okay. I went when I could afford a drink. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I had a, a pina colada oh. on the beach watching the sunset. See? Get in. I need to do it. Dreams. The advantage of being really old. You I don't can know. afford the... a pina colada. That's <laughs> excellent. <laughs> the advantage to being rich. I need to go. <laughs> I'm excited. It's you do great. great for tourism. So when do you, <laughs> when do you ever get home? Um, I'll be home for five days in between this, and then I'll be uh, home in late but December. But you've got dogs. I do have dogs. Well, what are the dogs doing with Well, them? I have a dog sitter, and then it's so crazy because they're 13 and 14, so they're really hard to travel with. What are they? Uh, they're long-haired chihuahuas, and uh, they're, they're lovely. Can they fit in your pocket? No, no they could. They could. Um, it's just, you know, it's also just not fair for them. I was considering yeah. bringing them here, but, you know, the hours that I'm here at the theater, I didn't want to leave them locked up. And they have a fabulous dog sitter that they get to sit in the backyard, and they, yeah. she sent me spa photos the other day. So they're, they're living a good life in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood dogs. So they're doing well. You know, they're doing well. I mean, if they were younger, it might be different. If it was maybe just one of them, it'd be easier. But with two yeah. and being elderly and having medication, and oh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I know. Yeah, but luckily yeah. I don't have to put them through college, so I'm good. <laughs> no, no, they're cheaper until the big vets bills start coming. Exactly. Um, Roy, yes. thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank um, you. Good luck with the rest of the run and the show and Wembley and all of that. What a... It's been fantastic talking to you. Well, thank you, and I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Appreciate it. That was Roy Haylock, also known as Bianca Del Rio, uh, from Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed it, You can rate it on one of those apps or something. I don't know. Give it five stars. Whatever you give an Uber driver, that'll do. 